Hi, I'm Andrew Dubber, Director of Music Tech Fest, and welcome to this week's MTF podcast. What you're about to hear is a conversation between MTF's founder and creative director Michaela Magus and German filmmaker Stefan Plank. He's the director of The Potential of Noise, a really wonderful documentary film about his late father, the legendary record producer Connie Plank, who worked on seminal albums by bands like Ultravox, Noi, Eurythmics, Kraftwerk, Scorpions, DAF, and lots more. Stefan came to Music Tech Fest for the Swedish premiere of his film, which we screened in the decommissioned underground nuclear reactor hall at KTH Royal Institute of Technology, where we hosted MTF Labs, and also to spend time with the MTF community, of which he quickly became part. Michaela Magas with Stefan Plank. Hope you enjoy. We've been very lucky this week um, to be able to premiere some fantastic new uh, works that have never been shown in Sweden. Um, and uh, since for a whole week we've been occupying the underground nuclear reactor, which you've probably heard about, um, we uh, were also able to use this space with the 90 artists and scientists and technologists who were developing new kinds of things which resulted in this performance that some of you saw earlier today. Um, we were also able to um, premiere um, a movie about an uh, absolutely seminal music producer. I, I can say categorically that Music Turkish would not have happened without this person. Um, German music producer who had created the sound for the likes of Devo, Ultravox, um, Eurythmics, a whole bunch of people. For those of you who are my age or thereabouts, you would know that this was absolutely crucial stuff. And we were so lucky that we had the producer's son, so the producer is called Connie Plank, um, and the producer's son, Stefan Plank, came to introduce the movie. He's the m uh, filmmaker who produced the m uh, movie, so an artist in his own right, and an artist with very, very unique experience of growing up um, with his father and these musicians. So I'm um, very, very happy to welcome to the stage Stefan Plank. As a starting point, since some of you might not have seen the film, I'll just show you the first couple of seconds which made me do the film. That is uh, a noise. I can try to find if it's possible to make music out of it. Um, it's like uh, the beginning of music, uh, when um, a human being listens to into the woods and listens to noises of animals and other noises. Um, there are noises the human being doesn't like and other noises he likes. And um, those he likes, he picks up and turns, converts in, into music. So any noise has the potential to be music if uh, it's liked by a human being.
So, um, Stefan, I, I don't know if you've been able to hear it. It's a little bit on the quiet side. Um, so, Stefan, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what we just saw. So, um, my father was in Japan and went into a pachinko hall, and he was amazed by the sound of a pachinko hall, which is a extra quite extraordinary noise. And he was in—he is one of the pioneers of sampling and using sounds to make music. And he—he he found this noise and was attempting to make music out of it. Because in his words, it's like any noise has the potential to be music if it's liked by a human being. And I think this is quite an, it, it's an extraordinary sentence to put out there. And I think it's quite interesting for Music Tech Fest, because this is what we are doing now constantly with music. Absolutely, um, but he was a, uh, he was a real pioneer because uh, basically he influenced the sound of Kraftwerk. Um, he was doing Neue. He was doing uh, what we call crowd rock, um, and the way that he was doing it in those days was not sort of the. It was before we were able to do it automatically, or we were able to record things and and, and loop them back. Um, so. Tell us a little bit uh, how, well, the sort of the methods that he was using to generate. Well, I, I was a small boy when this happened, and there were times when I was not allowed in the studio because they were doing band tape loops. And uh, there were tape machines, and the tape would be running through the studio on microphone stands, and it would be turning on the other side. And for a four-year-old boy, this is very interesting and you would love to touch it but I obviously was thrown out of the studio because uh, I was told this is the place where the big boys play and but I quite vividly remember when my father got a hold of the first emulator which is one of the first sampling machines and he was so in love with this on now I can play it on the piano it's amazing so um you were not allowed in there. There is a, there's a particular personal story attached to this, I guess. Um, this was his main love and main interest, and he was obviously getting a great deal out of um, this process and out of interacting with these incredible musicians. And sometimes, somehow you were always at the periphery, and that you actually lost him very, very early in life. Um, how did you, uh, how did this, what sort of effect did this have on you? Well, to explain this, Connie's studio was an old farmhouse. And the um, recording studio was actually in the, where, where the horses were kept and the musicians would be playing where the pigs were kept and the uh, tape machines would be there where the hay was um, stacked. And... I grew up there and my father was constantly there but absent as well because he was recording with these bands and he died when I was 13 years old. So you don't have this conversation with your father when you're 13, hey dad, how, how are you doing this and how are you producing these bands? And in 2006 I decided when my mother died that I have to move out the studio because Nobody really needs recording studios for hire anymore. And, well, 
I found this clip which you just saw and this made me think and I wanted to know more about my father and his work because there were like two Connies in my mind. There was Papa and the producer Connie Plank. And by making this film, I made them whole again to be one person again. But it wasn't just, well, obviously you were able to put them together again, but it wasn't just you. It was all the musicians. They noticed you and your relationship with your father and they were putting you back together as well, weren't they? Yes, it's a, it's a weird kind of relationship I have with these musicians because in my mind it's when you're a musician and you tell your parents that you're going to be a musician, they're not happy all the time when you say, I'm going to become a rock star. And my father was the person who said, yes, okay, let's see. Where, where are we going to go? What, what's going to happen with you? And where's the music potential there? So, in a way, these musicians communicated with me as a sibling, like uh, their younger brother, which they met at the studio. And they, they, I think it's quite extraordinary, because at the beginning of the film, when I was planning it, I planned to not appear in the film at all. But then we shot the first interviews, and I sat down with Reto Kadov, my co-director, and we said, we have to put me into the film because the musicians don't react in the usual way. Usually when you do an interview with a musician, there's lots of their image present and they have a certain way of keeping themselves and communicating their message, which is not present in this film. But there was a whole cocktail of factors that were sort of in this farm. There was your mother who was a very much a key figure from what I understand from the movie. There was you, I mean, you were there actually, even though you were not allowed in the studio. My, my observation is, and also from someone who grew up with a father who was an artist and similar kind of ways, um, you are there as, a, as something that they bounce against or they react to. And I think the other musicians who came and became part of this uh, world, your world, your mother's world, your father's world, were actually absorbed in this kind of dynamic and there was something that happened in the process. Can you tell us a bit more about the musicians that visited the farm and the kinds of characters they were? Well, it's a rather long list, but I'll try the highlights. So it started with Kraftwerk, Neu, Ultravox, Devo, Eurythmics, Gianna Nanini, The Scorpions, um, Ideal, Deutsch-Amerikanische Freundschaft, DAF, and I'm Houdini, and Houdini. I was going to say, that was quite extraordinary, wasn't it? Yes, it was. To kind of jump into Houdini, and they are absolutely wonderful in the movie, the way they talk about you, about you as a brother, as a, uh, uh, about their journey from New York, which had, ne had never left, into a, to a farm that was outside of Cologne, in the middle of basically what for them was... Kind of nowhere. It's not really, but <laughs> it is. It's it not is. Brooklyn. <laughs> so that was like, that was just that was just incredible. So, it, did you actually discover in interviewing them that the, your relationship with them was actually a bit stronger and a bit bigger than you you had remembered, or did you remember them that that relationship? How did you memorize that originally? Well. Talking about specifically about Houdini, which was a, quite an amazing interview and quite an experience, um, 
first of all, I found them, and then I had to try to communicate with them, and I found them on all spaces on MySpace. They still have a MySpace page, <laughs> and and I wrote them an email if if they would give me an interview, and they instantly wrote back that. They would, it would be an honor to give the son of Sir Connie Plank an interview. <laughs> so, all right, let's do What I hadn't realized, but this is, was a theme through the film, that by being produced from my father, they not only got his attention and his work as a producer, but I became some, in a weird way, a part of their family, a part of their life. So it was amazing how they received me. I hadn't met them for 30 years and they were, good to see you. And it felt really like family meeting. And they also talk about your father as a sort of a medium. In fact, many musicians talk about this, as though he was someone who didn't want to impose um, himself onto the artist, or the artist's creative process, he would, he would allow them to bounce around and argue and do all these kinds of things, and he would just say, it'll be fine. Um, how do you see this role that he had? He described himself sometimes as a midwife <laughs> or as a medium between the band and the tape machine so he can convert the thoughts of them onto tape. So there is a scene in the tape in the film which is quite funny, because uh, the first album of Mute Records was um, DAF, Deutsche Amerikanische Freundschaft, and Daniel Miller had made a deal with my father to record it, and they had three days. And first day, they were talking and setting things up, not recording a note. Second day, talking, a little bit of fighting, a little bit more communicating, no recording at all. Daniel Miller, who had got this money, I think from his mother, was getting really nervous because there was no recording being done there. And the third day started and they made a long walk talked some more, then went to the studio and recorded the whole album in one go. So for Connie, it was more important to get the musicians in the state of mind to let go than to be hands-on and saying, oh, you have this, to play this note this way. Or he said, you're the musician, you're going to take care of this yourselves. I'm here to make you do it and to enjoy it while you're doing it. And he was very physical with it as well, with the process. When, when he got engaged with the gear, he had this extraordinary setup. Um, and he would, it was kind of designed for him, he was a big guy, right? So he was able to stretch from one side to the other, but he would be, get very physical with it. Uh, do, you, do you feel um, that that has something in common with some of the approaches that some of the people that you observed this week had, even? Y yes, I, I think it's quite amazing because uh, you're talking about his mixing desk, which uh, in the usual studio is like the place where the technician sits and makes a nice mix of with it, and it's not really a collaborative tool. 
but Connie designed his own mixing desk so he would be able to interact with the musicians, to be part of it, to react to it, what's happening in the recording. And this was, so, so it was a collaborative effort. And I've seen quite a lot of this co collaboration here. There, there are no boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a massive inspiration for our crowd. Um, and I hope you have managed to, 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 to see some of the sort of like effects that this kind of influence has had. I was reminded of one of the sentences of Connie, who he used to say quite often. He always said, craziness is holy. <laughs> and you can definitely say that at Music Tech Fest. Well, uh, many thanks, Stefan Plank. Big round of applause. Thanks for having me. So well. Hey, thanks for listening to the MTF podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And of course, we would really love it if you helped spread the word. Much appreciated and talk soon. Cheers.